Liberty Hope. Going glasses on you today. Yeah. Yeah. They're not new, it's just my contacts have messed up. So anyway. But I got I've got more compliments on my glasses than all the sermons I've ever done. So anyway. Maybe I need to read between the lines. I don't know. You guys are in a series, Sticks and Stones, so maybe you're using your good words to compliment, whatever. But anyway. Hey, Barefoot Weekend was phenomenal in Honduras. A family came to City Hope for the first time and they heard about the shoe collection and they went door to door in Honduras and they collected a hundred pairs of children's shoes and gave them at the church. That's just phenomenal. And, and let me say this to all of you. Thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. It is summer and expenses continue, but thank you for being faithful even during the summer. We appreciate all that you do in your giving and tithing. Thank you so much. Uh, we are in a series, Sticks and Stones. We've been talking about the power that our words have. The first installment of this, we talked about life and death. The second one, uh, Trey did the first two. The second one is called Think Before You Speak. And if you've listened to that, uh, you need to listen to it again. If you have not listened to it, you need to listen to it. It is just phenomenal. And uh, thank you so much for uh, allowing the word, because I've heard comment after comment that that message really spoke to you. So thank you for allowing the word to speak to you. Last weekend I talked about submitting your tongue to God because he's the only one that can tame it. If he can't tame it, then you're going to get hung by your tongue. This weekend I want to talk about lost territory. And here's, here's where I'm going with this, this weekend and next weekend. I want to talk about relationships because you, you understand that in our relationships, whether it's at home or at church, where two or three are gathered together, normally there's an argument, hurt feelings, angers displayed toward one another. So it affects us. God put us here to be connected to people. So listen to this verse in Ephesians 4, verse 2. Here's what Paul said. Be completely humble and gentle. I'm I'm wondering why he used humble and gentle. Then he goes on and says, be patient, bearing one another in love. Do do you think you're a humble person? And before you raise your hand, here's the test. If you're a humble person, your words are gentle. If you're struggling with frustration or pride or arrogance, then your words, they may start off gentle, but then you're going to end up with a sharp tongue, and a sharp tongue cuts people. So humble people produce gentle words, and our mouth always portrays our heart. The word humility, let let me give you a picture of the word humility. It's walking with the awareness that I am not the center of the universe. In other words, it's not about me. So in humility, what happens is your heart is soft. Things come out of your mouth that are soft and easy. And listen, we all have things that we need to say. And a lot of times it's not what we say, it's how we say it. Right, guys? It's how we say it. So my point is my, my heart is tender. Soft words come out. I can have soft conversations and I can have the right tone. And we have to have conversations about things that are difficult. But we can if our hearts are soft. Paul adds in the last part of that verse, he said, be patient with people bearing one another in love. Bearing means this, to literally put up with somebody. (laughs) Have you ever had to put up with somebody? Don't point to the person that you're with because you won't get to go home. But have you ever had to put up with somebody? I mean, that's bearing. That's, that's, that's having to put up with someone. And there are, you know, there are times that, you know, 
you, you have to do this. And most of the time, you, the people you have to put up with are your relatives. Don't, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that brother-in-law, that cousin, you know, see, you can choose your friends, can't, can't choose your relatives. So there are times in a relationship, there are people you just have to suffer with. And you're thinking, is this meal ever going to end? Will we ever stop having family reunions, you know, because you're bearing, you're suffering with one another. So here's what happens. Watch where I'm going. An immature Christian, an immature believer will reject the one who causes them to suffer. But the mature believer will first ask the Lord, why why does that bother me? Why, Why is that bothering me? Are you trying to show me something? Is there a button they're pushing that you're trying to reveal something in me? So don't say what's wrong with them. Say and ask, what, why does that bother me? Why can't I have grace toward them? Why can't I just look over that and move on? So here's what I'm going to do before I get in the body of this message. I thought it would be really good that I was just very transparent with you and very open and honest because sometimes you think pastors are whatever and we're not. We're just like you. So I'm just going to kind of give you a few things that bother me about people. Is that okay? Uh, okay. So I, I have nobody in mind. You know, but I, I just need to confess these things. And when I, I, I've had to ask myself, why does it bother me? Like, why does it bother me when somebody's talking so loudly with a Bluetooth in their ear in a restaurant and everybody's looking around and they're just talking like three times their volume? And that bugs me. Or somebody, you know, cell phones are going off during a weekend service. Uh, that bothers me. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, there, there's a silent button right here. Or leave it in the car. Okay, yeah. every group has just responded to different ones differently. Uh, you know, th- this bothers me getting to the weekend service late and then walking all the way to the front to find a seat because the cameras are running and we're streaming everywhere. So here's what's happening. People are looking at you coming in late to the front or Everybody's head's turning. So people on the camera, I wonder what they're looking at. So at least, I mean, that's just a pet peeve. Here, here's one that you can relate to if you're not a pastor. Uh, it, slow drivers in the passing lane bother me. And if you have a City Hope magnet on your car, take it off if you drive in the slow lane. I don't want anybody at City Hope in the slow lane, Okay. I want you, let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay. I'm just going to get to the ones that people, I'm going to get in trouble. The last one I'm going to get in trouble. I got called out on it a couple times already. I'll go ahead and tell you. Here's another thing that bothers me is parents, moms and dads, uh, who count to their children in public. They're in Walmart and they say, don't do that. All right, one, two, three. You're going to timeout. My dad never put me in timeout. Now, he took time out of his busy schedule to whip my rear end because I wouldn't do what he said. I'm just saying, here's something else that kind of bothers me. Parents who come in to a worship service and they, they bring their babies and their baby starts to fuss and they won't take them out of the service. I know, I know. That's why we have a family room with a big screen and all the baby. Anyway, okay. Uh, here's the th- another thing that bothers me: one car parked in two spaces. 
in the church parking lot. Practice. Practice. Here's the number one thing that bothers me, okay? And, and I know you can call me a redneck, but I can't help it. This really bothers me. And I'm at, Lord, why does this bother me? Guys wearing skinny jeans. Yeah. I'm getting all kind of mixed emotions coming back at me. If you're wearing skinny jeans, I, just don't stand up and I, I won't know. I, I just know that there's a men's department and a women's department on purpose. So, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, just, I'm just being transparent with you because you needed to loosen up a little bit because, you know, I have to ask myself, why do those things bother me? Why do they aggravate me? And God could say to me, hey, listen, you need to just chill out, relax, enjoy the journey of life with people. And then every pastor, is all, we've all said this. If they say they haven't said this, they're lying. But pastors say, well, you know, God, if it wasn't for the people, this would be a really a good job. But God said, well, I put those people there, because, and, and, and I know they're doing those things, and, and, and I want to, you to slow down and take a deep breath because the writer of Proverbs says in twenty-seven seventeen, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So we all need sparks in our life. And he's talking about being in relationship that can sharpen you. Your marriage, your family, your church, it sharpens you. You can't be sharpened if you're opposed to friction. And there's going to be some pain. There's going, there are going to be sparks. But God's inviting you into the journey with people on the earth. He calls us into relationships. This happens in families. It happens in churches. Why? Because people can be messy. And there are people you don't like being around. And there are people you like to be around. It, it depends on, on who it is. And so if we can grow a little bit, if we can mature a little, if we can open up the possibility that we can get better in this, and then life in general will be better, church life will be better, if we can equip through Scripture to deal with one another. And here's what you need to understand before I get into the body of this message, is you're not going to get out of this. What do you mean? God's not going to take you out of the tension of relationship until he has fully shaped and formed what he wants to sh- form inside of you through people. So God will use messy people to clean up your own messes. And there's no path to maturity that does not include our relationships with others. If you choose to live alone and isolated, you will be weird and you will be immature. If you choose to dive into relationships and the messiness of people, the messiness of people is the soul of humanity. And God will use those experiences with other people to shape you, to form you, The friction may come, the sparks may fly, but iron sharpens iron. So the topic of this message, lost territory, will change your life. And here's my perspective. I see two groups of people in every campus. Those listening to me, I see two groups of people. One group falls into the category of they believe that God has forgiven them, but they they can't forgive someone else. The other category is... The people think, I don't know that God has forgiven me because I have royally messed up and it's really bad and I'm not sure he has forgiven me. If you can believe that God has forgiven you, if you can walk a life free from unforgiveness, you're going to be somebody that God can invest in and it's a game changer. The ideal of forgiveness is the core component. Think about this. This is the ironic part. The thing that we struggle with, this unforgiveness is the core component of the entire belief system of Christianity. So here's where I'm going to dive in. It's the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is giving this in Matthew. And and he's going along, and it's this great prayer. And all of a sudden, in verse 12, he says, and forgive us our debts. It's just out of the blue. Why did he pick that? He turned the corner. As we also have forgiven our debtors. 
All the things that Jesus could have went back to, pointed out, it's this. And then, then he skips, and then, then he comes back to it again in verse 14. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Not if, they, not, not if they sin against you, but when they sin against you. Why are we surprised when people sin against us, especially with words? Jesus said, you're not getting out of this without scars. You're not going to live on this earth. You're not going to walk through this life without scars from other people. You will be sinned against. You are going to be violated. You're going to be gossiped about. You're going to be lied about. People are going to hurt you, and people are going to use you. This is a real encouraging message, right? And then Jesus goes on in the next verse. He says, but if you do not forgive other sins, father, the father, your father will not forgive your sins. Ouch, that hurts. Because if you're a forgiving person, the heavens open and you receive forgiveness. If you're, if you're walking around bitter and unable to release people from the words spoken to you and you're holding something against them and you come to God and you say, oh God, I failed. I did this. I said that. I, God's going to say this to you, forgive them and I'll forgive you. In other words, you're not going to get out of it. God is going to remind us and remind us our entire life. He's going to remind us to release people from this unforgiveness. He will not let us off the hook. He'll keep you on the hook until it becomes so heavy that you have to do something about it to release it. You ever been around anyone that's unforgiving and bitter? What what do they talk about? Well, they start talking off with a kind voice. But remember, what's in the heart is going to come out of the mouth. And they end up being negative. They talk negative. It comes out of their mouth. It's betraying. And, and Paul goes in, in Ephesians, back to Ephesians chapter 4. He writes this down in verse 29. He says, do not let unwholesome talk. That's primarily, that's, that's negative talk. Do not let negative talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And then he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? When you use your words to speak negative and hurting words against other people, it saddens the heart of God. You can actually sadden the heart of God. Verse 31, he said, so get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. So here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to talk about. I have three things to talk about, and they're at different levels, okay? The last one is a very practical level. Here's the first one. I want to talk about misunderstanding forgiveness, the misunderstandings of forgiveness, and there's two. So let me show you the first one. Forgiveness can't be denied. A lot of people say, no, let's just don't talk about it. Let's just ignore it. It'll go away. Let's don't talk about it. And I know families who have issues and it happened in the family years ago, and nobody will talk about it. And so when they come together on the holiday, when they're with each other on the holiday, it's awkward. Nobody wants to talk about it. It's still there. It's fresh in their minds. See, listen, when you don't talk about it, it's, it's, it's called living like dynamite, if you will. Because the reason dynamite is so powerful is because that tube, the powder in that tube is packed so tightly that when it explodes, it's packed so tightly that one stick of dynamite can do a lot of damage. And a lot of people are walking sticks of dynamite. They have suppressed words, they have suppressed things, and they won't talk about it, and it gets packed and packed and packed, and then something suddenly happens, not even related to what had happened in the past, but all of a sudden there's a spark and boom, explode. And they say things and they do things they regret they've said. See, listen to me. The pain of not talking about it will eventually become more painful than what actually happened. When you don't talk about it, when you don't talk about it, that pain will, will, will become greater. And listen, City Hope Church, it's a place where you can talk about it. You can talk about anything. 
And we, we, at this church, we want to talk about it. We want to talk to you. We, we, we do not wear Christian mask here. We do not speak Christian ease here. We're not walking around with a fake smile. If something is wrong, we want you to talk about it. We, we want to help you because here's why. As a pastor, I don't want a stick of dynamite going off in your home, going off in your marriage, going off in your life because it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt relationships. It's going to damage relationships. And you literally sabotage your marriage, your relationships, because when an explosion happens, it's because you haven't talked about it. And here's the second thing about misunderstanding of of forgiveness. Forgiveness does not always equal restored trust. So stay with me on this. Don't flip the channel. Forgiveness does not always equal restored trust. I am commanded just like you. I'm commanded in God's word to forgive you, but I am not commanded to trust you. Trust has to be earned. And depending on, let's say, what happened between the two of us, the relationship may never be the way it was. And so here's what happens. I've I've heard this happen so many times that those who cause the pain want life to go back normal, just just like it never happened. And and, and then when they say something to you and and, and you, you say, well, I don't trust you, you say, oh, you don't trust me. Well, you didn't forgive me. And that's not true. Here's why. Forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. Forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. I will forgive you, but I may never trust you again. I have had people violate me as a pastor, as a man, over the years, and, 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 and I hope the best for them, but they will never be in my inner circle again. Why? I don't trust them. Doesn't mean I haven't forgiven them. I, I just can't trust them. I speak well of them. I will not speak words against them. I speak God's blessing of them, but I will not trust them unless they can earn it. And God didn't tell us to trust people until they can earn it. And listen, as a pastor, if you're new to this church, I don't expect you to trust me until I earn it. I, I don't demand your trust. I earn it. You know how you earn trust? The old-fashioned way. You do the right things for the right reason for a very long time. And that's how you earn trust. Come on. So, Pastor, then what is forgiveness? I mean, come on. Well, oftentimes we think forgiveness is everything being restored or being made right between two people. That is not forgiveness. Forgiveness is reclaiming lost territory in your mind by not necessarily taking ownership of the sin that happened. But I'm going to take responsibility of the sin that I did but not the responsibility of the sin done to me. I I believe forgiveness is when I reclaim the territory that I lost that now has been corrupted because someone did something or said something to me. And so I'm going to personally take responsibility for what sin is doing in me. But when someone violates me with words or they do something harmful against me, I'm not going to let that event define me. I'm not going to become a victim. Yes, I've been victimized, but I'm not going to live like a victim. I'm going to take responsibility for what happened to me, and I'm going to reclaim the lost territory that was lost when they violated me. How are you going to do that? I'm going to surrender that to God. And I'm not going to wait around for justice necessarily, because justice may never happen in this world. I know this, I know that all of us will stand before God, every human being. You're going to stand before God at the end of the age, and you're going to give an account for what we did and what we said. So it may not be set right in this age, but I know in the age to come, I have faith in God that he will set things right. So here's what I'm saying. Unforgiveness is a lack of faith. 
If you're carrying unforgiveness, it's a lack of faith. You really don't believe God is going to do his part. And God said, I'm going to set things right. Everything is under my feet. I have authority over everything. And I listen, if I can believe that, then it's easier for me when someone says something or does something and gets me because now I wish, you know, I say to God, God, I wish things could be right. I wish justice could happen right now. But I, I know that you're the Lord and the king and you're still on the throne. So I trust you and the... And in other words, I trust you without borders now. And I pray this person finds forgiveness and grace. But if they don't, I know you'll set it right later. So I'm I'm not going to let it take over my mind. I'm not going to let it influence my heart. I'm not going to lose territory over this. I'm going to release this to you because I trust you, Lord. I've taken the borders off. There's no borders on my trust for you. That is forgiveness. And let me ask you, I, and, and I'm being really serious here because sometimes I ask you to raise your hand and it's a trick and all that good stuff, I know. But how, how many of you, you'd be honest to say, I, I've been hurt by somebody. Come on, everyone. Even the, you, you look at some of the younger guys, the, you know, the teenagers, they've been hurt by somebody. And, and, and it's real. And I don't think anybody wants to be hateful, bitter, and unforgiving. I mean, I don't think that's anybody's goal for life. We want to be forgiving. We want to get rid of this stuff. And we want to reclaim the lost territory. We want to reclaim it. See, the lost territory is in your soul. And when you're missing some of that, you're not functioning. Your spirit man's new, but you're not functioning on all cylinders because there's some territory lost in your soulish man. And God wants to restore that. But if you're holding on to unforgiveness, he can't fully restore it. So here, here, here's the second question. We've talked about the, the, the mis, misunderstandings of forgiveness. Here's the second one. How do you know if you've forgiven I mean, how, how do you know if you've forgiven, if you settled it? Three, three things. Number one, you're trusting God to deal with them whenever and whatever he wishes. See, we don't know what God's doing in our life, how he's doing it. I just know I'm trusting God the same way he forgave me, cleaned up the mess in my life. I know he'll do the same in them if they do it. And I know the Holy Spirit's really good at this. Because for 2,000 years when the Holy Spirit's fullness came on the earth and, and we're his temple, the Holy Spirit's really, really, really been cleaning up a lot of messy people for years and years and years. And he can still do it and he's good at it. But I think, how many of you would say you kind of like that retaliation part? Right, come on, I, I, you know, you know let, let, let the fire fall, you know, let, 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 just torch them or do whatever. Just, you know, or maybe we, we, we think, well, that's fun to think about. Well, Jesus didn't think retaliate. He suffered. He made no threats. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. I mean, he could have said, wipe them out, angels, torch them. He didn't because he knew his father in heaven. The father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Is it possible that people who hurt you and are hurting you, maybe they really don't know the extent of what they're doing? Maybe not. Maybe they're just mean as snakes because they're your relatives. Uh, but they're just mean as snakes and, and they know what they're doing and they're hateful. But they're ignorant of the full extent of what they're doing. Can you say, Father, forgive them? And if they choose not to receive your forgiveness, I believe you're going to judge justly. So I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to hurl insults. I'm not going there. I'm not going to threaten them back. When I do, I get to their level. I used to tell my kids, when someone's doing that to you and they're provoking you with words and hurling insults, if you retaliate with words, you just drop down to their level. If you can keep your mouth shut, you stay above their level. And it's exactly what we have to learn to do. So, you know, if you've lost territory of your mind, you want to reclaim it and you don't want to be a victim. So I, I, I need to understand. So how do you know if you're forgiven? Number two, mental conversations with them are getting less and less. 
Now, probably all of us have done this, and you've seen this, but you've probably done this. You wouldn't admit it, but you've probably pulled up at a red light, and somebody's sitting in a car, alone in the car, and they're just going off. And their face is mad, and they're, they're, you're, they're going, and what are they doing? They're telling somebody off. They're going off on somebody. They're just, they, they, they are, they're losing territory. And we don't have a lot to spare. So instead of an imaginary conversation with emotions and frustrations and anger, God says, I, I'd really like to have a conversation with you about that. I've had to ask myself, how many conversations, imaginary conversations have I had that I've wasted conversations with God because I didn't go to him first. And I'm thinking if I go off on this person and I say it, I'm really going to change them. No, I'm losing territory. The moments I could have had with God instead I'm having with an imaginary conversation with somebody who may or may not ever do the right thing. So I have a choice to make. I, 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 can, I can go the next year or 20 years of my life and have all these conversations with an imaginary person who did me wrong, or I can give that to God and have more conversations with God. And if you want to mature, if you want to mature, you want to be a true Christ follower, you've got to let them go. And when mental conversations are, are less and less, that's a good sign because that means my conversations with God are more frequent. So how do you know if you're forgiven? Number three, when you hear their name and you hope their house burns down. No, no, no. You hear their name and you hope they're blessed and not cursed. Come on, pastor, you're stretching this. You run into them, you hear their name. What's the first thought that comes to your mind? It should be, Lord, bless them. And I pray that the works of their flesh will come to nothing but the works of the Holy Spirit, that you purpose for them will increase, and I pray your best for them, and I wish them no harm and no curses on them. That's not what most of us do. And by the way, if you wish curses on somebody, guess who the curses come on? You. You get whatever you wish on somebody else, a failed marriage, hope the job falls apart. I don't like their business. I don't like their family. Or if you pray speak blessings or favor or healing or restoration. What happened the last time you heard that name or you saw that face? What came out or do do you need to deal with it? And I believe across every campus, everybody listening to me, I believe, and I don't know the percentage, but I believe there's a strong percentage of people who have unforgiveness because there's been all kinds of abuse, verbal words, mental, uh, emotional, physical, sexual, and, there, and then there's an abuse that I think, from my perspective, that is the worst and the deepest abuse that can take place. Because it's a spiritual abuse. Because you are a spiritual being. So when a person in spiritual authority, like a pastor, abuses so many people have been abused by pastors, manipulated by pastors, used up, left to dry by pastors, and here's what I've heard, and here's what I see. There are people who are hurt, and they leave church, and they, I'm never going to church again. I'll never sit under another pastor again. I don't trust them. I don't this. I don't that. And, and, and so they, that, that authority has put them, in, has abused them and put them in such a place that they can't receive anything. And here's what's happening. When you're in, if you're a wounded person, eventually in the conversation, it's going to come out. I can talk to you for five minutes. I can direct the conversation about church and about God. And I'm going to hear out of your heart if you've been hurt or you've been wounded by a pastor or by somebody else. That's why when we tell people, we teach people in our next class. We teach them how to leave a church. You say, what? You you don't want them to? No, I don't want them to leave. But if God wants them to leave, I want them to leave properly and not go to another church carrying a bunch of junk and a bunch of hurt and and get it released and do it properly. We teach how to do that. But most people won't do it. 
So what do they do? They come into church. They've been hurt. They've been wounded. I've had people come in and they would tell me they're hurt and wounded. And I say, listen, you're great people. You have a lot of talents and ability, but I want you to sit on the bench for six months and let God heal you up. You don't, you don't need to get involved. You're not ready. See, why not? Because you've lost territory. You've lost something of yourself and you're hurt and you need to be healed. Some come back to church. They go through the motions. They tell people everything's okay, but the hurt is still there. They're still hurting. The territory is lost and they're never functioning in the fullness of the soul. There's parts that are wounded. And so your guard is up and you've lost territory and you're not really sure what to do. So let me tell you my third part of this message. And, 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 and listen, the third part of this, I just simply call it a practical application. If I could beg you to do this, I'd beg you. If I could bribe you to do this, I would bribe you because this works. This is so practical. And some would say, well, it's too practical. It's not spiritual. Oh, sometimes the practical things that we do connect to the spiritual things that we need. And when that happens, everything in our life changes. So if you're dealing with unforgiveness and it's hindering you and and you've lost territory, I promise you as a pastor, I promise you that if you will do this, what I'm going to give you from a practical application, God, you, you will see, you'll see territory restored in your life. So here's what I want you to do. And when I say the first three words of this, don't change the channel. Okay. Hear me out. Write a letter but don't send it or mail it. Write a letter. Do not send it. Do not email it, snail mail it. But the letter needs to contain three things. You're writing the letter. Some of you need to write a letter to more than one person because many people have hurt you. So don't, don't take it as a cluster. Take it as an individual. In that letter to that individual, here's what has to be in that. This is what you did to me. This is what you did to me. Go into detail. Be specific. Be honest. Spell it out. Don't deny it. Don't sweep it under a rug. Secondly, it needs to be in the letter. This is how it affected me. My life has not been the same. This is how I think. This is since the event. My life has been worse because of this hurt. This is how it has affected me. Because listen, listen, they have to take the ownership of what happened, not you. When unforgiveness is parked in my soul, the enemy will say, no, it's your fault. It's your fault. You you have to take some ownership of this. That is a lie of the enemy. Listen to me. They have to take ownership. That's why you're going to say, this is how it affected me. What you did to me has affected me, and and, and, and I didn't do this. I'm a recipient of this, and it has affected me, but I don't take ownership of it. And here's the third thing you have to put in the letter is how I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to pray for judgment. I'm not going to pray the earth consumes you and swallows you up. I'm going to pray blessings over you in your life. When that letter is written, there's three things you need to do with that letter. Okay? One and two are optional. You take the person that you love the most, you're closest to, like maybe a spouse. And you sit the spouse down and you take that letter and you read it to that spouse. Or if you don't want to do that, you pull up an empty chair And you sit in a chair and you imagine the person you're writing the letter to is sitting in that chair and you read that letter to that person. And when you finish reading the letter that has all three of those elements in that letter, here's what you need to do. You tear up the letter or you delete it because here's what you've just done. You've just released it to God. You've just trusted God with it. And I promise you, when you do that, 
I know. You say, well, I don't want to dig all that up. No, you, you do. You want to get rid of it. And, and I know this topic is heavy. It's weighty. I've had all kinds of expressions given. But, but I'm telling you, the, the, the reason we're stuck in the places we are, we're walking around trying to do life when we've lost territory. Because someone said something, someone did something. It's real, it hurts us. And I'm telling you, as an act of faith to a loving God who loves you, you take it and you go through this. When you hit delete or you tear the letter up, I'm telling you, there is an immediate release and there's an immediate deposit of territory being restored in your life. It just comes back to you. You're going to feel different. You're going to think different. All of a sudden, something is going to click inside. Why? Because some of that territory, you know that God has more power than the enemy. You know the enemy can steal some territory, but you know God can bring it back and bring it back quicker and bring back more and all that. But I'm telling you, he created you with a purpose to live on this earth. Part of that purpose is for your soulish man to function and be proper and be healthy and be whole. And when people hurt you and words hurt you, he says, listen, I can take care of that, but you have to trust me without borders. Don't put borders around me. Don't put a church around me. Don't put a denomination around me. Don't put a name or personality. You completely release that to me and I'll redeposit it the lost territory that you need in your life I am not a victim I will not live like a victim I will not behave like a victim I will not talk like a victim why because now I'm going to have more conversations with God and the ones who hurt me I'm going to pray for them Sounds simple, but I promise you it's something that needs to take place. And here's what I want you to see, and I'm going to wrap it up. Some of you have already taken care of unforgiveness. You you know this, so to speak. Good. What you've received today, here's the word the Lord gave me, is is being redeposited in your spirit Because God's going to put somebody in your past, probably a relative, that's dealing with unforgiveness, and you're going to get to help them walk out of it because of what you've learned and experienced. And then there's some of you, and I don't know the percentage, but there's some of you, and I think there's a lot of you that are carrying unforgiveness right now. You remember that boss. You, you, you remember that uncle. You, you remember that brother, that sister. You, you, you remember that friend so-called. I'm telling you, this message is for you today. And it's such a simple application of my soul releasing to God, and then God does what only God can do. But you got to trust him without borders. Would you stand? Everybody breathing? Okay. So make sure. I challenge you to write the letter. I challenge you to write the letters. (laughs) And I challenge you to look at somebody that you know and they're carrying bitterness and anger because somebody did it wrong and you, yeah, it was wrong. But don't let them live under that. Don't let them live as a victim. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Jesus, thank you for setting the example. And may we take this And may we apply this to our lives so that we are not carriers of unforgiveness 
but we forgive. And as we forgive, you restore everything we've lost. And that makes us fully alive in Jesus Christ. We thank you for your love and your mercy. And the church said, amen. God bless you.